Thank you for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. In this conversation conducted last year for our Movie Geek Yearbook series, our co-host Adam Long had the opportunity to speak with actor Gavin McLeod. Audiences have long held great affection for Mr. McLeod. His work in both The Mary Tyler Moore Show and The Love Boat constitute well over 400 episodes of series television. Couple that with his superb film career, which includes titles like McHale's Navy, The Party, and The Sand Pebbles. The focus of this conversation is his work opposite Clint Eastwood, Donald Sutherland, and Carol O'Connor in the 1970 war film Kelly's Heroes. But Mr. McLeod also touches on subjects like the recurring role he enjoyed in Hawaii Five-O and his friendships with the two Roberts, Wise and Redford. Looking after the colonel, that's what. Shoot him and let's get the hell out of here. Shoot him, we don't get the gold. What gold? Proposition. Thought you might be interested in helping me out. Oh. I want you to set up a barrage for me. Yeah. If you whisper one word about the gold to these guys, I'm going to have you bounce from this outfit so fast your feet won't even touch the ground. Okay, Kelly. What is it? I want the intelligence reports of this whole sector, and I need them in the next two hours. That's nice. What's in it for me? We shot that in what used to be called Yugoslavia. I think it was 69, uh, because when I came home, I started the Mary Tyler Moore show, and that was 70. So it was, uh, that's, uh, it was about 69 or the early, early 70. And as a matter of fact, I'm holding a shot of it right now in my left hand. It says Donald Sutherland and his kooky crew ride a tank purchased from a German soldier. I tell you why I did it. Because uh, Brian Hutton, when I first came to California, I had done a play called A Hat Full of Rain on Broadway. It was an actor studio project. I was the first replacement. That's a long story. But Shelley Winters came in and Ben Gazzara and Tony Francielso and all these wonderful people. And then McQueen came in and we played brothers and... Uh, so I was on the road with that. Somebody saw me in California, said you should do this movie. I didn't want to leave the place. So I went back to California in 57 and started. And one of the first things I did was a hat full of rain at the Players Ring Gallery. It was a theater uh, right there in Hollywood. And that's where I met Brian Hutton, who did the lead role. We, mm-hmm. did, we became friends. Uh, Robert Blake was in that. Uh, J- Jocelyn Brando's sister. I mean, Brando's sister. Jocelyn was the lead. We had a wonderful company of actors. And when that was over, uh, I hadn't seen anybody for a while. And then I got a call from Brian. He said, I'm going to start directing now. And he said, there's a play Jack Alber wrote in New York. They're doing it at the Living Theater called The Connection. And I want you and Robert Blake to do it. Anyway, that was the beginning. So we did that in 1960, and Al Ruddy produced it. Mm -hmm. And from there, Brian got a deal to direct more films. Al Ruddy went ahead and you know, he found the, he eventually did the Godfather. Al's had quite a career too, but that was the beginning of uh, Brian directing. Because I remember Brian, he was one of my favorite directors of all time. It's because he was an actor and he knew, he, he knew what we went through, but he, 
Uh, he was from Brooklyn, if you know about him. He never finished high school. And he went on to direct not only Kelly's Heroes, but he directed uh, Where Eagles Dare with Richard Burton and, and Clint. And then he did uh, a, a Sinatra, mm-hmm. a big television movie. Brian was great. And uh, what a loss that he had to die at such a youthful age. But anyway, Kelly's Heroes. So I got a call from him. We're doing this movie, and I'd like you to be with Donald Sutherland. I said, oh, I think he's a great actor. That's blah, 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 blah. It's in Yugoslavia. So they shot. They started shooting. They sent me over on an airplane. I went off, and I landed, and they take me to this Novi Sad, an area called Novi Sad, where we lived in. And I was sharing a room with a wonderful actor called Len Lesser, he was a great character, man. He was in the same theater group that I was in. And mm-hmm. uh, that was the beginning of Kelly's Heroes for us. The, the strange feeling was, and that first location in Obisad, we were in this kind of a huge hotel castle, which had terrible memories because during the Second World War, the Germans had come in, wiped out everybody, and took over that place. So it had haunted negative feelings. There was a wall there, I remember, with a lot of flowers. I said, it's so beautiful. All those flowers represent all the natives that the Germans killed. The mm-hmm. Danube was over uh, off a cliff, and the, the blue Danube was not even blue. It was brown, <laughs> if water has a color. And that's what they, they shot people during. So we had that first location to me was haunted with such miserable kinds of things that had happened during the Second World War. But we moved, that's, we started shooting there. And I ran into uh, Tom Troop, who was a good friend of mine, this wonderful actor. He's married to Carol Cook, if you know. And mm-hmm. Shep Sanders, who I had worked with, and uh, he was part of uh, Donald Sutherland's group. He had the big old strange hat he didn't have any lines but he had a great look and he just passed away this past year but anyway he um we went from Novi Sad to another place uh Umag and we shot there and uh we, we just had a great time shooting that picture uh you know some of the best character men of all time was in there mm-hmm. it was in that and that film and uh All my scenes basically were with Donald, who was just incredible. As a matter of fact, one day he said, do you want to go to Trieste with me? We have a day off. It was a Sunday. I said, sure. Well, he had a a man that worked for him, and we took a boat across and went to Trieste, and we had um, dinner, Italian dinner there, and then we went back, and it just made us like each other more, you know, to get to know each other more, and in this film. It looks like we're going to find ourselves another bridge. And where are we going to come up with another bridge? There you go. More negative waves. Have a little faith, baby. Have a little faith. Now go on, get down into your hole. Look, when we was in a Bocaz country, we was assaulted by them tigers. You know what I mean by assaulted, huh? Well, I mean assaulted! Why don't you knock it off with them negative waves? Why don't you dig how beautiful it is out here? Why don't you say something righteous and hopeful for a change? Clint yeah. and Telly, you know, Telly had his whole group about 
10 or 12 people had surrounded him. Uh, he was like the king of his group. Uh, <laughs> uh, whenever you wanted to laugh, you just you went to see Don, you know, because Don Don Rickles was so funny and so fabulous and so of fast course. and and I remember one <laughs> night he got up. <laughs> we would have these little little cookouts once in a while out at nighttime, and he got up there one night and he said, "I just I just love doing this movie." He says, "And I love watching Clint Eastwood work." He says, watching him act is about as exciting as watching paint dry. I can never forget that line because here was Clint, one of the biggest stars in the world. And Donald was saying that. Anyway, Don and I had some great conversations. There's another side of him, uh, a very serious side that uh, I always loved. And uh, he was one of the funniest guys ever. He played, yeah, the... uh, the sergeant that uh, the supply sergeant yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to remember because it's been quite a while since uh and richard davalos that wonderful actor that played um uh james dean's brother in the film with raymond massey in that great film uh he was in this too and he was on the top of the tower near the end of the movie shooting down there he was fascinating in this film uh, anyway mm-hmm. Uh, Brian had a wonderful group of people that worked hard and had a good time and the Kelly's heroes I get mail all the time from, and I have an 8 by 10 I carry with me of the picture of this guy I played because people requis- uh, ask for it most of, the, most of the stuff is for the captain of the love boat and then um, Murray but then a lot of Kelly's heroes, and especially when people see it. I get a lot of mail from guys, and once in a while, a woman, which always <laughs> surprises me because that's a man's movie, said, this is my favorite war picture. And so I'm always happy to hear that and to think I was a part of that is something. I remember one incident that happened when we were lined up with the tanks and everything else. We were coming in this little town, and all the real townspeople were there watching us. And it was an old, old, old gentleman, like on a cane on the left as we were going past. And we came by, and uh, and he fell down. And after they got the shot, Brian said, keep going, keep going, keep going. And after they got the shot, they went over, and he had a heart attack and died. Oh, no. He was in a little small town, and we were in that town. But you see these tanks coming down and all these things like that, and it was too much for him. And so what happened was his wife pleaded with the company not to tell anybody so that if the company and they, we had our, uh, uh, um, the crew, that, the construction crew, they built a coffin. And she said, please bury him here because if I tell the state that he died, they will take his whole place away from me and I won't have anything because the state owns mm. everything. Tito was running things at that time. And so I remember that, you know, that, that never hit the papers or anything like that, because it was so negative and all. And, uh, that's, but that, that was an incident I remember happening there. Um, the fun I had with uh, when Tom Troop, was, he, he was in one group, and I was in Sutherland's group, 
And Carol Cook, if you know her, that's Tom's wife, and she's like Lucy's protege, and she's one mm-hmm. of the funniest ladies in the world. So she came over, and she has flaming red hair, and she's very, very <laughs> funny. And well, uh, we were right on the, in Umag, we were right on the beach there, and there were a lot of German people that came for vacations. And <laughs> she would come out, and, and they loved the quiet. But she would come out on her balcony on the fourth floor and go, Broadway rhythm and sing less. She caused quite a disturbance. But when when Tommy wasn't working and I was there, I would walk into town with her, and uh, we would we would shop. And everybody thought she was Jaja Gabor, and she told everybody she was because they thought that's who she was. And we had more fun that way. Harry Dean Stanton was in this movie. That wonderful actor. I can't think of Stuart Margolin was wonderful in this. I'm trying to mm-hmm. think of some of the actors that they wanted to be with Brian. Brian was great. He just treated actors like we were really actors and not secondhand citizens. We always mm-hmm. had our chairs on location and things like that. <laughs> uh, but Donald Donald was wonderful. Donald Donald was wonderful, and I loved being with him. That was a great experience. And then years later when I did the Mary Tyler Moore show, and then she did uh, Ordinary People with Donald. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was really something, because I had worked with both of them. Oh, I remember also something I had never experienced before. They had hookers assigned to each hotel, the state-owned hookers. (laughs) Female hookers. This is stream of consciousness. I hope you realized I'm really, this is great. This is great. Oh, an 88 year old grandfather. <laughs> You're doing wonderful. We love it. We love it. Yeah, I was going to mention Carol O'Connor because he. I know he was. Oh, Carol was moment. incredible. Carol was yeah. incredible. I think he's one of the standout performances in it. He was so funny. Yeah, he mm-hmm. and I, Carol and I, we had done plays for John and John Houseman at the the theater group at UCLA. So I knew him from there. And I knew Carol from, and Nancy, too. They're both gone now. I knew them from Theater West, a theater group we belonged to. And he and I mm-hmm. used to write plays and direct plays at the same time and all that. And we were good friends. And the irony is the fact that, oh, I don't, shouldn't even get into this. I had nothing to do with it. But Archie, I was up for Archie Bunker. I, they flew me to New York. They, they really thought, I, uh, some people thought I should be Archie Bunker. They sent me the script. It was called Till Death Us Do Part. It was done in England yes. first. And then Norman got a hold of it. Norman wanted me to do, oh, I don't know, we go back in 1960 when I did that play, The Connection with Robert, uh, Norman, and, uh, Norman Lear and Bud Yorkin had partnerships, and they called me over to Paramount. They had this new idea for a series. They wanted me to play a young agent and all this kind of stuff. Well, nothing mm-hmm. materialized. <clears throat> so he knew me from that. And then I had just been finished doing a big valley, uh, and I got thrown off a horse. And I was in the hospital. I came home, and I was on the cane. My whole side of my face was all like my kids said, the fans of the opera, the fans of the opera. <laughs> I was terrible. <laughs> so I get a call from Norman's assistant. She was wonderful, and she said, we're doing this thing. I think you're right for it but they want Carol, but would you go to New York and meet them all? I said, sure. Can I stay a couple of days because uh, I'm from there? I said, I can meet my brother, my mother, and my grandmother. Oh, yeah, you can do it. Okay, so I thought, I'll get a free trip, you know. So 
I, I flew there. I didn't like the script. I mean, the script, it wasn't me. I couldn't, I don't like negativity in any form. I'm not that brilliant an actor to carry that thing off, you know, uh, <laughs> although I have played a lot of strange, weird, big chicken. I don't know if you ever saw my big chicken on Hawaii Five O. I still oh, get yeah, mail on yeah. that, on the reruns, yeah. <laughs> I played a guy that put, got people hooked on drugs. Yeah. So they would steal from me, you know, and uh, that was big chicken. And uh, I I have people all over the country that still call me big chicken. My one son <laughs> that calls me big chicken. And now the big, the big basketball player has opened a place in Vegas called Big Chicken's. And uh, anyway, that's a whole that's a that's a Hawaii five zero. I played him twice when Jack Lord yeah. was alive. I do have to ask you something, and this is for me personally. I am a huge fan of Blake Edwards' The Party. That is a perennial favorite in our household. It has been. It was for me. It was for my father. It's for my kids. Love it now. And uh, there, and my son, uh, he's college age kid, and he's even turned. Some of his friends on to it as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting started out here on the West Coast, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> there was a show on television called The $64,000 Question mm-hmm. with Hal March. You may not remember. It's the biggest thing on television. Now, Hal I'm March was going to come out to the West Coast and do a pilot called The Hal March Show. Mm-hmm. So there was a director. They had me over. I met the director. Oh, he said, Gavin, I want you to play this character. Blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, terrific. And uh, I didn't even have a car then. I had to. So anyway, they were shooting it at, at uh, MGM in Culver City. And so I had a call for the first day. Uh, it was like, like 11.30 in the morning. And, you know, usually you go to work at 7 o'clock. I mean, this is very late. I said, well, okay. So I went there, and by the, when I got to the set, uh, Stubby K was there. Do you know Stubby K from Guys and Dolls? I knew him from years oh, and yeah. years and years. And Jeannie Ball, she played the lead in that. So I knew some mm-hmm. of the people. And how much? I never met him before. And I was going to play the, an inside director who was going to direct him inside. So he said, okay, Gavin, how are you? I said, nice to meet you, you know. And he said, let's try this one scene. I said, okay. So we started. And they said, okay, let's break for lunch. <clears throat> so I went inside with Stubby. I said, I'm just eating jello. I want to lose some weight. I better get back. I'll start looking at the stuff. So I went back, and the first assistant came over, and he said, uh, Gavin, he said, uh, Kerwin Coughlin wants to see you as the casting director. I said, oh, okay. And uh, he said, why don't you bring your script and your sweater with you? I had bought a brand-new mohair sweater just to look nice. Yeah. Okay, so I I start walking down to the casting guys' office. I said, why, 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 why? They haven't come back from lunch yet. He's having me go down here. And I'm, am I being fired? So I got there, and I knew the secretary. I said, did something happen that I think? She said, yeah, they let you go. I said, for God's sake, I I didn't know how a chance to do anything. I go meet the casting director. He said, you're going to get paid anyway. I said, that's not it. I said, oh, my God, the only thing I thought I could do was act, and now I'm getting fired? I can't believe it. So I started crying, and I I drove that car I rented to my agency. He said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be where I said, how much fired me? 
Oh, well, you're going to get paid. I'll call the guy. I said, this is not the money. No, no, no. I said, you know, I went, so I went home. And Harry Guardino lived next to me. I don't know if you knew him. He was a great actor. Yes. We had been together Absolutely. in a hat full of rain. And we were good friends. He said, what are you doing home? I said, how much fired me? He said, that, no good talent. And he was very violent. He threw things and everything. So now I have to tell my wife. She said, what are you doing home? I said, how much fired me? Oh, she said, we rented the car. I said, I know. <laughs> and I said, I said, it just stinks out here. I said, I've been, doing, I've been acting all my life. I said, I got fired from him. Let's go back to New York. She said, that's not a bad idea. She was a rockette at the Radio City Music Hall at the time, before that. And so I'm there sulking and thinking, this is the end. We're going to go away, go back to New York. At least when they lie to you, you know it's 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 a lie. <laughs> and so the phone rings. It was about two hours later. The phone rings. My agent said, do you know Blake Edwards? I said, well, I know who he is. I used to send out pictures when I did plays in I said, mm-hmm. I sent him a picture of me once. He said, well, if you can see him by 4.30 this afternoon, he wants to see you for this new pilot he's doing. I said, oh, I would love to do that. And so he told me where it was. He, I said, should I bring my hair? Because I always had my hair. I've been bald since I was 21. I said, should I bring my hair? He said, bring your hair. So I always carried my hair in the box in the trunk of the car. And yeah. so... I go over there, I go into the office, I got my hair in a box, I'm sitting there, and there's a very handsome guy there looking for the full head of hair. I said, oh, boy, this is one of these days, I'm going to be negated here, too. I eventually get into Blake, and he's there with his friend Dick Crockett, who went to high school with him, who did all of his stunts for all the Blake's movies, and he was bald like me. But anyway, we start talking, and I had done... I Want to Live uh, with Robert Wise. Uh, That's right. And the, the, uh, the, the production manager was Robert, was, was Blake's father, Jack McEdwards. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I said, so I, I, I said, I worked with your father. And the, blah, 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 blah. But Blake was adopted. But anyway, so we start talking. He wants to hear about my, what I have done in my career and you saw my reviews and all that stuff. He said, you know, so we really hit it off. He said, Gavin, you know, the lead heavy in this was going to be Italian, but I want you to do it, and we'll call him Fallon. I said, that's kind of Irish. He said, it's in the middle of the road. It could be anything. I said, okay, sure. That was the beginning. He said, you'll be the first Ivy League heavy on television, <laughs> and that was the Peter Gunn pilot, if you ever get a chance right. to see it. Yeah, and it starts in a funeral. It's a great Matt, Matt Herschel, Craig Stevens, and Matt Craig there. Herschel Bernardi became friends and all. Anyway, that was the beginning of Blake. And right after that, I was some time after, and it was sold. It was the fastest sold pilot at that time in the history of television. Because uh, Henry Mancini's musical, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was of something course. for television. And Blake's camera, he had long scenes, and the camera moved. The actors just played it. It was just great, his whole take. And so oh, a short time after that, I was over at Universal picking up a script. There was a series called Steve Canyon. I was picking up a script, and the car stops in front of me. It's Blake. 
He said, how are you doing? I said, great, I'm going to do a Steve Kenyon. He said, oh, well, look, he said, I'm doing a movie with Cary Grant. I want you to be in it. I talked to him about you already. Can you come over to some, some of the office? I said, sure, I'll be over after this, pick up the script. And so I did. And that's when we did Operation Petticoat together. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that one? I have. Yes, I own that on the Tony and I stole the pig, and that's why I had the tattooed, the naked girl tattooed on my chest. Exactly. Yeah, to this day, exactly. I'm on Princess. I work for Princess Cruises. I'm Princess. I'm telling them stories. And, and I said, any questions? Like I said, how's, how's, how's Gertie? I said, excuse me. He said, how's Gertie? I said, I, 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 I don't want to be facetious. I don't think I know who you're talking about. You know Gertie from Operation Petty. I said, oh, the tattoo on the chest. <laughs> People remember, you know, they see. and the, and the, the, So anyway, that was Blake's thing. That was that. And then after that came high time in 1960 with Bing Crosby. Mm -hmm. I was just doing a GE theater with Ronald Reagan and Peggy Lee. And Ronald Reagan was the producer and also was acting in it. And he took me to lunch the first day. It was really great. And then Peggy Lee and I put opposite each other. And then I, from there, I went to a location to do High Time with Bing Crosby and Blake Edwards. That wonderful song, Love is Wonderful, the second time around, is from that. Mm -hmm. A great company of college kids. Bing Crosby was great to work with. And you had Dick Beamer, and you had Tuesday Weld, and Yvonne Craig, and Fabian's first movie, and uh, it was and Jimmy Jimmy what's his name? I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. That Jimmy. Oh. You know they're all young kids. I played this nutty professor, and so he had a special theme for my character. And after that, I finally am coming around. Is the party? And the party, he yeah. sent me the script, and uh, it was just an outline of 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 the action of the of the storyline of what was going to be happening. We had lived the whole script, you know. The Walton Brothers <laughs> did all the rest of it, and that's why it's the way it was. I think in watching that movie, that first five or six minutes is probably with Peter, <laughs> with that bugle is some of the funniest. I, I, I mean, every time I see it, I scream. He was so wonderful in that. And so, and that was a, that was a wonderful experience. And, oh, I'll tell you something to Blake. I love Blake Edwards. I just love Blake Edwards. And he loved me because as an actor, I would take a lot of chances, you know. I'd mm -hmm. reach out and I'm not afraid of failing. I'll try, try to something. And he loved all that. And so... I, when I went to his funeral, I was very, very sad. But getting back to the party, he said, you know, we're going to have a party when we close. I said, yeah, most movies do, you know. And he said, I'm going to bring somebody to the party, but nobody knows it's our first appearance together. I said, you're going to tell me who it is? Yes, he said, it's Julie Andrews. <laughs> wow. That's the first time. That's the first time they appeared together at the closing party for the party. <laughs> the irony of, of this is the whole set that we used at Goldwyn Studios is what, after the first year of the Love Boat, we shot on there for a year, the same soundstage. 
for years and years and years where we did the party. You know, when the oh, elephant comes in with all the grass, that was a beautiful, beautiful indoor set, you know, except when I was driving the car. That was outside. But uh, right. that was, I can see why I just ran into someone the other day. He said, oh, I know you. I know you from someplace. I said, what's that? He says, Bertie Num Num. <laughs> I said, Bertie Num Num? He said, yeah, Bertie Num Num. He said, hey, he's the guy from Bertie Num Num. And I said, <laughs> you never know what you're going to be remembered for. That's true. Yeah, we. I just love it. I, I love the part where you're. Uh, there's the one quick scene where you're in the the uh, the bathroom and they they catch you with a hat piece. The, <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, my neighbor here is Nancy Sinatra. You know, and we're good friends. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she almost got that part. It oh, was wow. between yeah. her. It was between her and what's her name, who was Andy uh, Williams' wife. Uh, Claudine Langey. Claudine Langey. Claudine, when yeah. I was doing Mikhail's Navy, I played one, I had one line a week. What are we going to do now, Skip? You know, except for one show, and uh, mm-hmm. she came in. I think she was a dancer in Vegas or something, and they, they had brought her in, and uh, she was even younger way back then. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andy used to come and see some of the rushes when we would see uh, on, on the party, because wow. you never yeah. know. Because you know, we improvise so many. You know. It was a wonderful kind of a shoot. We were, we were a good company of people there, and Blake Edwards is the best. You know, Blake had the greatest sense of humor, as you can imagine, you know. Yeah, yeah. Operation I mean, Petticoat. I mean, we, we, we laughed ourselves silly. In opera. When Tony and I had to steal that pig, uh, Blake said, I mean, we did it in one take. He said, I can't believe this. I thought I'd be here at 1 o'clock in the morning. So... <laughs> Uh, he was, he was just, he was, he was my favorite. He and Robert Wise, as far as oh, yeah. directors go. <clears throat> I did the forward to this book that Joe Jordan did. It's the history of Robert Wise movies, and he asked me to do the mm-hmm. forward, which was quite an honor, you know. And um, I had a great moment yeah. with him once because uh, my father died when I was very young. And so I never had a father symbol in my life. And when I met mm-hmm. Robert Wise, I had so much respect for him, even though the first time I only had a small part. And then we did Kelly, then we did um, Steve McCrean. What was that? Uh, um, the Sand Pebbles. The Sand Pebbles, thanks, yeah. That's yeah. where I got to know him more and more and more. And then, of course, the Sound of Music and all that stuff. I wasn't in that. But anyway, I saw the Sound of Music when we were shooting I went to, we were in Hong Kong, and we saw that one night because we were shooting a, a big fight scene in the water over there for Steve's movie, and um, mm-hmm. they had to stop in the middle of it and over the loudspeakers. We just have to announce that Robert Wise won the Best Director's Award for the Best Movie Sound of Music. So we stopped everything and celebrated. That was wonderful. Oh, wow. But I had a chance to present an award to him. I forget what it was, but I have this in my book, too. And uh, I said, they've asked me that I would do it. And so, wow, what an honor. And I said, you know, the most important thing I can say about this very talented man that anybody has ever worked with him said he's simply the best. 
he has a heart bigger than Texas, and he cares so much, even for the smaller person in the show. But I said the most important thing is the man that I would have been proud to call my father. Oh, wow. And I, I was able to give him a hug when he got that award and everything. And then some years later, not too far after that, he was having a birthday, and my wife and I were talking. We lived in the Palisades then. Mm-hmm. And said, you know, let's send him some flowers or something for him. We knew it was his birthday, and he was in the hospital. Yeah. We didn't know it. Oh. And then he died a couple of days after that, yeah. But he was some kind of a movie maker. Wow. You know, the great thing about film and television is that, you know, I I saw a rerun of The Love Boat the other day, and there was my best friend, Ted Knight. Yeah. We were in Japan, and there was Ted. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, it's like they're still here, you know? We saw some of the awards show the other night a little bit, but the Rams were playing, and (laughs) come on. So, (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) and we happened to turn it on when it was so sad because I'm 88 and a half now, and uh, we just lost Valerie Harper, and then Georgia just before that. Mm-hmm. And and then Ken Berry, it just went on and on. All these people, probably seven-tenths of the people that passed, we had worked with or were friends of ours. And that's the, that, that, to me, that's the toughest thing about getting older, you know. But at least we have mm-hmm. great memories. You know, we have wonderful memories. And um, I remember in Kelly's Heroes, oh, here's a good thing, too. And that first location, when we were in the castle, they would mm-hmm. barbecue every night and cook every night. So you could have <laughs> a steak. I mean, you had food like you couldn't believe. Oh, I can So they fed us wow. like we were kings on that location. <laughs> you know? Nice. Oh, oh, oh. But Brian Hutton was one of my favorite guys in the whole world. And, uh, you know, Al Ruddy's having a rough time physically now, even though he's busy and, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, so. getting, he's getting up there too. Yeah, it's that's why it's important to us to get these stories down while we can. And, and my producer and I, we, we want to make this a priority to – make these kind of things. And we reached out, we, we just, uh, we did an interview with Tom Skerritt last week. He talked to us about MASH and Harold and Maude. And, oh, for uh, heaven's sake, Tom's first, we were close, close friends. The mm-hmm. first thing he did was Redford's first movie called War Hunt. Did you ever see that? Never did, actually. That's oh, that's that a I very did. good, that it was 1960 or 61. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's when I met Redford and Tom. Then I got Tom in Theater West with me, where he was play, doing play, he was writing plays and things. Yeah, and then Tom had moved to Seattle. I knew his first wife, and they got a divorce, and he had a couple of kids. And then he yeah. moved. But we used to be so so tight about. It's when we when we did that picture with Redford. Uh, it's called War Hunt. The Sanders brothers did it. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think they made it for less than a million dollars. And it it was on the National Board of Review. It was one of the ten best movies of the year. It was during the Korean yeah. War. So Tom and Redford and I used to hang out together. And I remember Redford and his first wife, she was so great. Uh, we had dinner at their house. We were renting on Laurel Canyon once. And he had a model of this place he wanted to build in Utah. Mm-hmm. And, well, he's got it now. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does. Yeah, and then, then, I mean, what a career. And then eventually he he directed Mary and Donald, I think, in uh, Ordinary People, didn't he? Ordinary yes, people. he did that. He sure did, yes. Yes, he yeah, he's had it. He had quite debut. a thing that that kid from the valley. Yeah. Thank you. 